0: Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Rita Roy, CEO at the National Spine Health Foundation, and I'm your host for the Get Back to It podcast, where we tell real stories of healing and recovery. What does it mean to get back to it? It means overcoming spine problems through treatments that work in order to return to the people and activities you love, whatever that looks like for you. It means getting back to your life. We're here to share the success stories of those who did just that and some of these stories you're not going to believe. At the Get Back To It podcast, our goal is to tell stories of spinal champions who've been able to achieve a better quality of life through spinal healthcare. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be speaking with Paul Franklin, a 64-year-old spinal champion who began his spine journey when he sustained a fractured neck as a young teen. When he was in his mid-40s, surgery was required on his cervical spine as a result of this injury, and many years later, he had another surgery on his lower back to address disc issues. In addition, Paul has had to endure several unrelated orthopedic injuries and unimaginable personal loss over the years. In spite of it all, he's accomplished amazing things and is now enjoying life. Now that you know what to expect, let's get back to it and dive right into Paul's story. Paul was born in New Zealand and has been living in Ireland for the past six years. In 1971, at 13 years old, Paul sustained a major spinal injury that would affect him for the rest of his life.
1: I was playing piggyback in in November 1971. I think um, in America anyway, it's called as the game of chicken. I was carrying somebody on my back and this was in school playtime and I fell over fell forward, fell onto my forehead, and I fractured my C3 in my neck. You've just got to realize that back then in 1971, things are a bit different than now. Of course, I was actually kicking my legs and I was saying, oh, I've injured my neck, I've injured my neck. It just happened to be that the uh, the teacher that was on duty at the time at the playground came along and actually picked me up and carried me into school, which as we know is the wrong thing to do. So that, that was the first major injury, and then I was tested and I wore a collar for nearly two years in school.
0: For the next two years, Paul had to wear a neck brace, and in the years to follow, he sustained many more serious injuries and
1: surgeries. I my fibula when I was parachuting in New Zealand in 1980 or 1979. I had my right knee operated on in 1999, then I had my copectomy. In 2000, in 2002, I had my both shoulders operated on and I had my lower back fused in L5 to S1 in 2014.
0: Because of the neck injury Paul sustained as a youngster, he is currently diagnosed with cervical spondylotic myelopathy, advanced osteoarthritis and spinal stenosis at C5, C6, onset of cervical myelomalacia and severe kyphosis at the C4 level. As if these physical challenges weren't enough, Paul has had to overcome tremendous personal loss as well.
1: Besides that, I had had a family tragedy in 1981 when my wife at the time, we had the triplets and they were born 12 weeks premature. Each weighed about a kilo each and we took over the neonatal unit really. This was in New Zealand at the time. And one child died after one day, that was Simon. Uh, due to lung issues. And five days later, Demel's passed away uh, with brain hemorrhage. And amazingly enough, Neil, my eldest surviving triplet, is hes coming on, well, he'll be coming on 42 in, in this July. I had, I've had other children as well, but yeah, they're all living in New Zealand at the moment.
0: Paul has endured more physical, mental, and emotional pain than most of us could even fathom. Yet none of this pain could keep him from pursuing his passion for cycling and walking.
1: Um, since twenty fifteen, actually just about a, a year after my lower spinal fusion, I've cycled now roughly or cycled toured now over twenty countries, including Japan and Norway. I walked a Camino in twenty seventeen, that was nine hundred and forty shoe Ks. And then straight after that I cycled round Ireland. i uh, I walked the length of Ireland twice. I've done what's called a double double, which means walking the length of Ireland and biking back the length of Ireland and I've done it for Charity which is the Galway Hospice because my mum died of cancer and for Philicon, which is the Premature Death Society of Ireland and uh, Laura Lynn which is a hospi- hospital in Dublin for the terminally Ill. In 2022 I walked the Grand and Royal Canals in, in Ireland and the Famine Way and I've walked around about 2,000 kilometres in Ireland at the moment. I can't carry things on my back so I push a stroller or a, a baby buggy I think you call it
0: in January 2019, Paul was a nominee for the Most Inspirational Person of the Year award by Outsider Ireland Magazine.
1: Well, unbeknownst to me, I, I, I wrote to Outsider Ireland Magazine and I just gave them a part of my story. This was up to 2018. I was uh, honoured by going to Dublin, and it was seven nominees, and each one were as you know pretty amazing people that um, you stand on stage with, and. I didn't win a nominee, but I'm standing on stage with such amazing, inspirational, motivational people that I've come to know. That's one of my probably the most amazing awards I've I, I received.
0: Paul, you have told us this incredible life story, and I am so blown away. In, in the last things you were you were telling us. That you've you cycled twenty countries, you've walked the length of Ireland twice, and you say it very rather nonchalantly. But I have to say, I'm pretty blown away by that. That that is a feat for anybody, and um, especially for somebody like you who's been through so much physically. I am blown away by that. That is that is just incredible. You know, your story is absolutely remarkable, and and I think you know, looking back in time at 1971 when you first encountered your cervical spine issue, you know, things have changed a lot in spinal healthcare, care. And, and it's so interesting to hear what you've endured in your life. Tell me about your, your journey in getting treatment for your cervical spine. Let's start with that injury. You did mention that you had a corpectomy back in 2000. So it, you went from 1971 all the way to 2000 before you you had to have surgical intervention on your neck. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, after wearing a collar in 1971, I've been 82 years. I went to school. Then I was allowed to take the collar off. I, I was sort of back to, if you could call it, normal. But, of course, nothing is back to 100% normal. In 2000, I was actually, I, I went to the Paralympics in Sydney as a spectator. I went for a trip to the Three Sisters in, in on the Blue Mountains, and um there's a lot of stairs going down. Yeah, I, I was losing pretty bad feeling from the waist down on that one. The um, tingling in my, my fingers and so on. So that was October 2000 that uh, I had to have the copectomy done. And
0: so do you think, Paul, that over the years, it was about 30 years from the onset of that injury in your teenage years, it sounds like you've lived a very fit life. Do you think that your your physical fitness helped you? sort of maintain, um, strengthen your cervical spine over the years to kind of get you that far along until finally, 30 years later, you needed to have a surgical intervention?
1: Um, Yes, because, well, as my father, who again passed away with cancer as well, one of his things were always keep on moving. And um, no matter what, that was ingrained into my brother and I, who's 61, who's never had an injury in his life. Yeah. Just keep on moving. I mean, we all go through different things. We all go through different struggles and each one is different. It's always the whole thing about keeping on moving. And we've always been active as children.
0: Yeah, that's great. And we say a body in motion stays in motion, right? So we want to want to keep keep moving. So then Paul, talk to me a little bit about what happened to your lower back then. So you, you got your neck uh, treated and a couple of years later, you began to feel excruciating pain or loss of sensation from your waist down. Tell me how how that came about, and and when did you realize you needed to see a doctor for that?
1: I was working at Queenstown Airport. This is I did that for ten years as an aviation security officer. I did a cycle tour down the west coast of the uh, the South Island, and I was experiencing back pain. And of course, I didn't think it was much something major. But then when I went up to I went to a doctor and. I don't think that they thought a great deal about it until I went up to see my neurosurgeon. They're one of the best neurosurgeons in in Australasia. So then I found out I had bulging discs in my back and I couldn't really walk again. So then on April the 24th, 2014, then I had my uh, lower back fused.
0: Oh, my goodness. And so your symptoms there were, were they pain? Were they numbness? Um, You describe an inability to walk. Um, can you talk to me a little bit more about your symptoms and do you think that it might have been a result of the work you were doing or the biking or combination of all those activities? How do you think you got yourself in a place where you had herniated discs in your lower back?
1: Um, it's, it's a very good question and sometimes it, it's very hard to answer. I, I don't want to blame recycling. <laughs> My job was mainly standing a lot and airport work is a lot of walking and standing and so a contributory factor was that type of thing and again the whole thing about keeping on moving because yeah I'd already uh cycled a year from 2015 and 2016 on my my semi-world tour you could call it and then I came back and thought okay then I just wanted to try something different about my back so I, I walked to work and back with a backpack and um Those people who've done a Camino will know what I'm talking about. And so, um, yeah, so the whole thing of um, getting lower back fusion and so on, and also to trusting in the neurosurgeons. We place trust in these people, you know, the the expertise and so on. I'm thankful I can walk and I can cycle. There's not much else I can do, though.
0: Well, talk to me about how you found your surgeon and how did you get information and, and how did you learn about what a fusion is and what it could do for you?
1: Okay, um, backtrack to 2000 when I was losing feeling from the waist down. You have to do something. I've always said that sometimes there's a choice, but no choice is I either become a quadriplegic or I take the operation. And um, back then there was a, um, a neurosurgeon in Christchurch, in New Zealand. His name was Dr. Bronkowski. He was again regarded as a top neurosurgeon in Australasia. So I'm placing my trust, and I know I know we all take choices. We we make decisions. And I know of people who've had, you know, bad operations or thing, things that went wrong. Um, sadly, I know that happens. But I'm placing my trust in a neurosurgeon who there's um, a choice and no choice. So, so I knew Dr. Bronkowski back then in terms of fusion-wise. That was in 2000. And then in 2014 for my lower back fusion, Bronkowski and Dr. Finnis were partners up in Christchurch. So I knew, you know, at least they were linked in a way. And again, it's one of these things. In twenty fourteen, did I have a choice? Well, I suppose I did. But then again, I don't I'll trust in the neurosurgeon.
0: Yeah, and that's so important is that you meet the surgeon. They're highly recommended. They're highly trained. They're spine experts in spine procedures. And then you you have to also have a relationship with that surgeon, right? You're trusting your life in their hands, and that's a very special relationship and one that you have to feel good about too.
1: Yes, 100%. As soon as I'd met the neurosurgeon people and entrusted in their skill, and also to obviously other people who have had spinal uh, fusion or surgeries by these well renowned, respected people, I'm placing my trust in these people. And, and you acknowledge that, you know, yes, things can go wrong. But on my first operation, my copectomy in 2000, I was supposed to have the the halo, you know, the, um, the metal around your head and stuff. But um, thankfully, he said that I didn't need to wear one. So at least I didn't. I came out of it just wearing a collar. That's great.
0: Moving to a slightly different topic, Paul, you, you are known as the spinal fusion guy on a bike. How'd you get that nickname? And uh, obviously, Ireland's adventure magazine, Outsider, you know, has uh, taken note of you. Tell, tell me... Tell me about how you got that nickname and who named you that.
1: Okay. Actually, I did. Um, <laughs> I, great. I, when I was on my uh on my cycle around Ireland in 2017, I I'm not too media social media savvy and I'm not on Instagram or Twitter or all this thing. I'm just on Facebook page, near enough. And so I placed my story on a few spinal issue pages of on Facebook, and a, a lady came back to me when I was cycling around Ireland, and she said, I'm sure you're on the wrong you're on the wrong Facebook page because I'm cycling around Ireland, and she said she had problems getting out of bed in the morning. Interestingly enough, she said, vicariously, she followed my travels around, and that sort of inspired me and motivated me to do then, you know, if I can inspire or motivate maybe one person. And I thought, okay, then I think I'll call myself the Spinal Fusion guy. I think i'll call myself the spinal fusion guy on a bike but then of course i walk as well so um, right so that was that that's how i got it i made it up myself
0: yeah that's what we i love it 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 was really fun to to get your email in in our inbox and say wow we're beating the spinal fusion guy on a bike this is this is going to be fun this is great i mean we haven't really talked about so far in this discussion you know breaking your left fibula while parachuting you know that's that that was a big injury in your in your younger years, and yeah, you know, we we talk about um, everything's connected, right? So if you've got a bad leg, then your you know your hip alignment is off. Your hip alignment is off, then your your spine alignment. so it goes up the, the chain. Getting through each of these injuries, I'm sure, was challenging. Um, can can you tell us a little bit about about that leg injury and the parachuting? And are you still parachuting? I don't think so now. But
1: no, um, yeah. well, I have done tandem uh, tandem skydives at 18,000 feet. That was in New Zealand. But the funny thing is, is that when you sign the the indemnity form or whatever it's called before you jump, and it asks whether or not you've had any spinal injuries, I said yes. It would be nice to get assisted when I landed. Um, every jump I've done, I've never been assisted. Wow. But I have my right knee done, and uh, my 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 other oh, parachute in 1979, 1980. Um, yeah, there was about three people out of five that ended up in hospital.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that's not good odds. Anyway.
1: Anyway, that encourages people to do parachuting, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> All of these injuries, I mean, none of them alone are insignificant, and and putting that picture together uh, and looking at, at each and every one of those injuries, the recovery on, on each of those is is important and it's significant.
1: Yes, it is. Um, I think the hardest thing is, is the physiotherapy. Obviously, you can't do anything with your neck when you come out. The recovery room, when I had my both shoulders down at the same time, that was the, hard, that was the pain recovery. And Then there's your knee operation and all these physiotherapies that you need to, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it does take time to get back. But again, like, as I say, you always keep moving.
0: Yeah, I think the recovery process is again, not to be minimized because you know, the surgeons can can do their part. You get in, you get yourself to a a very good surgeon who you trust. They do a great job, but then the rest is up to you, right? And that's what we say so much is that that recovery part, the physical therapy part, the physio, you've got to be committed to doing that and and that's in your hands. And so we encourage people. To really think about um, that as not just a post-recovery scenario, but a lifelong commitment to to taking care of your body so that you can stay in motion. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, Paul, and how you've taken that on in your life.
1: From my position now, like what I've done, I mean, I am thankful for at least, as I've said before, I can walk and I can cycle. And there's not much else I can do. But for me anyway, it, it's so... It, it does take its toll. Just to backtrack a teeny bit, in 2021, mm. when I was doing my Double O Island again, and I was raising finances for Simon Community for the Homeless in Galway, and then uh, Laurel Lynn in Dublin, too many old children. And they had to do a duty of care. And they said, do you think that your doctor will approve of what you were doing? And before they even finished, I said, no. Oh. What am I going to do? Are you just going to not do it? Because I- I'd already done one in 2019, so oh. I knew I could do it. And, um, but they just said to me, You think that my doctor will approve? And I go, No. Oh, gosh.
0: But I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not as if I'm deciding to go back and play rugby or whatever, um, physical sport again, which right. I know some people do after neck surgeries, but, um... yikes!
0: yeah. Yeah. That's scary. But you did it. And how did you feel afterwards?
1: It was quite strange because on my last one, if I could just revert back to the 2021 double, it took me 51 days to walk 912 kilometers and then 17 days to bike back. And then when I finished, there was no sort of physical thing that I'm going oh, no, my back's hurting. But I, I found problem going to sleep in a bed because I, I free camp everywhere I go. I don't do hostels, or, uh, bed and breakfasts or mm-hmm. hotels. Mm-hmm. And... Um, somebody offered me a bed to sleep in and i found it i found it a problem to sleep in a bed after t- 10 weeks it was <laughs> so in terms of physical side yeah. i i felt good i felt good about it
0: that's great you know? that's great and and that's what we say it's you you know you'll never go back to being 25 years old again but you can be the best version of 60 of in your 60s that you can be and and do things that you enjoy doing and maybe maybe it takes a little longer but Staying committed to your physical fitness is, is what gets you through. And that's so inspiring and so encouraging to, to others who are dealing with pain and, and not sure how to proceed. What, what kind of advice would you give to people out there, Paul? What would be your words of wisdom um, that you would say to someone who's struggling with a, a back or neck condition and they don't really know what to do or they don't, don't know that they'll get better again? What are your words of advice?
1: Wow, I think, I mean, it is a very, very good question and it's a very, very tough one to ask or to to give an answer to because hey. you know, all the other people that you've had who have been on the podcast and we've all got different stories. My one would be, and I know I, I've read many posts, I've read many things of people that they go through so much pain and don't know what to do. Is it and I can only nothing. say that is this going to carry on like this if it's getting worse what choices do we have i mean um there's either maybe an operation or non-operation i mean what's the result of not having it you know is it are you are you going to get worse and from my one i've gone through twice when there's a choice but no choice so i can only give what I can give, but then it's up to the individual to decide what to do. We all hope for a good outcome in, right. in, in operations and stuff.
0: Yeah, that's, and that's what we're trying to do here with the podcast is to share real stories of, of people's lived experiences and, and how they've had to go down the path of sustaining an injury or a, a condition that arises from wear and tear, arthritis or trauma or what have you. and. And and how do you inform yourself on on what to do? And I think sharing your story so that other people can learn from your experiences is is so important. And, and we're so thankful and appreciative that you're, you've taken the time to share this with with people. And
1: I, I, if I can been, just interject slightly, I I just find that like because of my other you know my my loss of, of yes premature babies whatever I'm sure that there's um. There may be listeners that have gone through that as well, and um, you know that this has happened. This is forty-two years ago. It's not like a year or two ago. Yeah, uh, I know If I could just quote from Philip Yancey, he said, "We discover the hidden value of suffering only by suffering." I mm. know. Um, but thank you.
0: No, that that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with us. And and certainly, there's a there's a physical component of emotional uh stress and trauma and um you know and and that com- that can compound pain um and scientists are looking at the connection between you know mental health whether it's you know depression or an emotional trauma and how that manifests in back or neck pain um and you know sort of which came first and and we know evidence shows that um that sometimes just the emotional trauma itself can manifest in in uh, in back pain, but that also back pain can be worsened uh, when faced with with emotional trauma. And so, um, you know, you you certainly had lived through that. Yeah. Well, Paul, it was an absolute delight to meet you today and to hear your incredible story. I I know sharing your life and your experiences. With our community here, will no doubt help someone else who's uh, struggling to make a decision. And uh, we just thank you so much for being able be, being able to share. Um, so your vulnerabilities and your successes and your um, and your ongoing commitment to getting out there and cycling and walking and living your best life. So thank you for sharing that with us today.
1: <laughs> I, cool. I thank you so much. Um, it's an honor and privilege.
0: At the National Spine Health Foundation, something we believe in most is providing hope for recovery through sharing stories of success and expertise. It isn't always easy to find someone to relate to, even though 100 million adults suffer from neck or low back pain every year. To hear more stories of Spinal Champion recovery and access educational materials about spine health, visit us at spinehealth.org. If you're interested in supporting our show financially, you can contribute at the link provided. Thank you for listening.